Hi, I'm Helen Avery with the Green Finance Institute, and you're listening to Financing Nature from GFI Hive. In this episode, I'm joined by Raul Noseman, Senior Advisor for Biodiversity at ASN Bank, to talk about their journey to becoming a nature-positive bank and their retail investment biodiversity fund. It's really highly recommended for the financial sector to start really understanding uh, their dependency uh, on, on nature, on biodiversity. Banks are really good at managing risks, yeah, so it's, a, it's really good to really assess and, uh, and see how dependent you are on nature uh, for shocks maybe coming. But also intrinsically, it's a, a skill that's needed, I think, it's because everything is moving so quickly. Yeah? The world is changing really fast. Uh, the regulatory landscape is really quickly changing. We have uh, new technologies like blockchain coming up, transparency in probably like interest is, is quickly changing. So I think there are many uh, things changing at the same time. So I think innovation and being able to just pioneer and try new approaches and use new knowledge is really a good skill. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are so lucky that Raul Noseman from ASM Bank is going to be joining us today. Um, like so many of the guests on this podcast, Raul has been a real pioneer in this nature finance intersection, um, as has ASM Bank. So we're going to be talking today about the bank's approach to biodiversity, including measuring its impact and also the creation of a fund for retail investors as well as the Partnership for Biodiversity Accounting Financials, PBAF, for which Rule is Programme Chair. So tons to discuss today and let's invite Rule on. Well, Rule, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, thank you very much. Before we dive into the work of ASM Bank and PBAF, as with so many of our guests, you've had a really interesting career path, moving between banking and then biodiversity, and now firmly in both. And I think it's always so interesting to hear how those journeys evolved. So could you share with us a bit about your own path in financing nature? Yeah, sure. When I was young, I, I, I really enjoyed being outside, being in nature. Um, like in the Netherlands in the summer, uh, you can find a lot of things in the, in the field, uh, but also in the, the small uh, ditches, the small uh, waterways. There's a lot of uh, life you can find there, from uh, from frogs to uh, to fishes to insects to uh, even if you were lucky, uh, like a small salamander. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot to see if you uh, if you care to look. So that's maybe where, where it started. Um, uh, in my studies, I didn't study uh, biology; I did something completely different. Uh, I studied uh, business administration. Uh, and from there, there on, uh, I started working in the banking sector first in uh, real estate finance. So and after some time. Uh, yeah, something was missing. Uh, it wasn't really uh, the perfect match for me. Uh, and at that time, sustainability was not really a topic in that bank. So I uh, I, I switched and I did, uh, started doing something different. And um, actually, after a vacation in Indonesia, I uh, I come across a vacancy at the First Stewardship Council. For some reason, that uh, really clicked and uh, I decided to change. change. It ended up uh, there. Uh, worked there for five and a half years, increasing the market share of sustainable timber, FSC timber in the Netherlands. Um, uh, and we did a lot of uh, 
yeah, interesting more marketing kind of uh, projects there. For example, the Forest 50 was a ranking of uh, the largest timber and building companies in the Netherlands. Uh, the use of sustainable timber, the, the policies, the, the percentage of procurement, the use of lesser known timber species, uh, a lot of uh, different things. And that yeah, really worked. And I think right now it's in Europe, uh, the country of the most uh, sustainable timber. Not completely there yet, especially for tropical timber. That's still, uh, yeah, we moved in the right direction. And, and afterwards, uh, after that, that five and a half years, I saw, uh, I didn't think it would happen, but uh, I saw a bank that really uh, yeah, focused also on biodiversity and on nature. And uh, that sounded really interesting, went for an interview and uh, yeah, that proved to be a good match. So now I'm here. Oh, fantastic. And we'll talk about ASM Bank in just a moment, but I just think given your background, you must have some really good insights into the need of this development of cross-sector skills between the finance sector and the NGO sector. And so before we get onto the work of ASN in biodiversity and also your role as program chair at PBAF, um, what's your sense on this need for these dual skills of ecology and banking and how we might, um, well, I guess, do you think we need them? And, and if if we do, how might we, we get there? Yeah, I think it's really highly recommended for the financial sector to start really understanding uh, their dependency uh, on on nature, on biodiversity. That's the first step. Even if you're not intrinsically motivated, even from a financial perspective, it's really wise to look into the matter. Banks are really good at managing risks. Yeah? So it's a, it's really good to really assess and, uh, and see how dependent you are on nature uh, for shocks maybe coming, but also intrinsically. It's a, a skill that's needed. I think it's because everything is moving so quickly. Yeah, the world is changing really fast. Uh, the regulatory landscape is really quickly changing. We have uh, new technologies like blockchain coming up. Transparency in public interest is, is quickly changing. So I think there are many uh, things changing at the same time. So I think innovation and being able to just pioneer and try new approaches and use new knowledge is really a good skill uh, next to this this. Yeah, understanding of uh, of nature because we have mutual crises like climate climate crisis biodiversity now we have covid we have food mm-hmm. crisis now coming up due to the war in ukraine yes one thing after another isn't it and none of them are small topics um so let's talk about asm bank and the work that you do there um it's a small bank relatively speaking and you'll correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's something like 175 employees is that right yeah it's a little bit more but it's it's small yeah and biodiversity was recognized really early on as being important to the bank um back in 2016 for example the long-term goal for biodiversity was set out by the bank that all investments made by the bank would have a positive effect on biodiversity by 2030 huge goal how did that come about yeah, I think the origin comes from uh, from uh, the fact that uh, the bank was founded in 1960, amongst others, by a workers' union. So, in the beginning, social issues were really, really important uh, for the for this bank. Nature really came quickly after, and, uh, and those were all the were always the starting point for for growth and for uh, development and for investments. So I think just the origin uh, and also the people that work there, the culture, uh, that, that's the main reason why uh, yeah, there's so much attention for the to- for these topics. Yeah. And I know there was sort of early work working with CDC Biodiversity, and that began with assessing the impact biodiversity footprint. So can you share with us how you did that? 
Yeah, I started working for Azenbank uh, four and a half, five years ago. And we already were piloting then. In 2015, we wanted to take the next step and set uh, possibly a long-term goal for biodiversity, which, which was really ambitious. Uh, that was quite a quest there, because when we started this journey, uh, we dove into the topic of biodiversity. And the more you dive into the topic, the more complex it gets. We got a lot of questions and not uh, that many answers. So uh, what we did at that point is organize a stakeholder meeting. Uh, and ask public stakeholders, uh, also nature organizations, like, okay, we want to be ambitious on the, on the biodiversity. We want to set a quantifiable goal, uh, if possible. What should we do? Uh, one of the main answers was uh, measuring, uh, assessing your impact, even if it's really complex. And it was, of course, really complex because when we started, there was no methodology available for the financial sector to, uh, to do this. So, um, yeah, that was uh, a sort of an answer that was uh, maybe difficult because we were really... Uh, focused on, on carbon, carbon accounting, and uh, that took a lot of resources. So I did the first pilot with uh, two external consultants, which were uh, Pre, Sustainability, and Krem, and just start trying and see what kind of results we could get, what would be possible. Uh, that led to the development of the, the biodiversity footprint financial institution. So the first methodology to assess assess your impact on the portfolio level. So that was the starting point. And since then, we uh, reported on our footprint every year. We developed this methodology further, and now I'm coming to the, the point with CDC uh, from France was also developing their methodology. And uh, because uh, we were both active in this field, I thought it was a good idea to uh, to see what we would agree upon uh, on this topic. And so that led to the first common ground paper on uh, how to do this footprinting in a proper way. Mm. That was the first uh, report that led afterwards to uh, the start of PayBuff also. Right, right. Paybath, yes. I, I would say Paybath, sorry. Um, Paybath, yeah. Which we'll, we'll come on to later because it's a, it's it's um it's an amazing initiative. Um, and I'm just sort of interested in and why do you think the Dutch in particular have been leading on this topic? You know, for example, PECAF came out of the Netherlands, um, the, the Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials. And we have Paybath, the Partnership for Biodiversity Accounting Financials as well. The Dutch Central Bank put out its assessment of nature-related risk in the Dutch financial system earlier than other central banks around the world. It was a leader. When you mentioned the Netherlands being a leader in sort of um, sustainable timber uh, imports, what what do you think is behind that? What can we learn from that? It's a good question. Um, it could be because we are a small country, so we're a bit more outward looking uh, in general, acknowledging that uh, that there is an, uh, a world outside the Netherlands and uh, that we have impact on that. Uh, mm. Another reason could be that we have quite a big crisis, uh, nature crisis in the Netherlands, uh, nitrogen, and that mm. uh, impacts farmers in the Netherlands, that impacts uh, the building sector, yeah, the economy, yeah, uh, and it's quite a difficult problem to tackle. And, yeah, probably multiple reasons. Yeah, yeah and, and the, the, all those actors probably reinforce each other. So also for the Dutch Central Bank, we spoke of them before their first report. Uh, they were really interesting to learn what we were piloting and doing. That's, that strengthens each other, I think. So moving on to talking about the fund that you launched through the bank. So a bit of a different tack now looking sort of investment opportunity as opposed to sort of impact and risk on the balance sheet. Can you tell us a little bit more about the fund? With us uh, setting this, this long-term goal um, and doing this footprinting that led to a realization, uh, for uh, especially for listed companies, because we have some investment funds that mainly invest in listed uh, companies, that all these listed companies, they have a, a negative impact or net negative impact. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a realization 
And if you uh, know that uh, there's a biodiversity crisis, climate crisis, that uh, that if you want to invest in listed companies, they don't really uh, solve uh, the problem. Of course, they can mitigate their negative impact, but only to a certain certain level. Because uh, and it's quite no, uh, natural because they they use resources, they they use carbon, uh, other greenhouse gases, uh, other pollution, uh, also to the waterways. So it's kind of logical that they impact uh, nature, uh, but it doesn't bring really that doesn't bring the, the big solution for restoration really. So. That realization led to the support and to the development that we needed something different to uh, be able to, uh, to invest in activities that do contribute to restoration and to protection of nature. And so we did a study for uh, amongst two years, uh, trying to develop this, uh, this, this fund, it's a retail fund. It's, um, and I think it's, it's the first fund that's listed uh, on, the, on the stock exchange, but it, it's focused on retail investors. So you can invest in this fund for, uh, starting from 20 euros. And we invest in a number of categories, uh, agroforestry, sustainable seas and fisheries, uh, and ecotourism. Uh, and that's, yeah, I think that's a sort of a new addition to the field of investment funds that really, yeah, trying to, uh, to show that this is really the way forward and we need more investments in these types of projects and activities. So agroforestry, sustainable seas and fisheries, and ecotourism. Um, the fund, is it investing directly in companies or in other funds? When we uh, developed the fund, we, we wanted to do a uh, number of different things. We wanted to invest in existing uh, uh, funds, that uh, impact funds that invest uh, in, in these types of activities. But we also wanted to do that direct investments in equity investments in projects, for example. But we had some discussions with the regulators in the Netherlands, and that proved to be quite a, a big hurdle uh, to get uh, approval for uh, at this point. So we're still working on that part, but we can't uh, directly invest in these projects. Luckily, there are a lot of investment funds uh, starting, impact funds starting, and they, they provide a really good uh, possibility to, to invest in a number of activities. Yeah, so uh, during this study, uh, that was one of the questions also, is there enough investable projects and uh, funds to invest in? Eh? Because that's sometimes being communicated that we don't have enough pro- projects, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's the, the, big, the biggest problem because we see so much development now. Yeah. Well, that is really positive here that there are so many opportunities to invest in. Um, so the agroforestry, sustainable fisheries, ecotourism, can you give us a few examples of the types of investments that those underlying funds are making? Yeah, one of the investments is the, the Eco Business Fund, developed by uh, Finance Emotion from Germany. It's really interesting what they do because they have a combination of private and public public finance. So there's really this blended finance that we need to scale up uh, restoration. That's something they uh, they started uh, quite early on. Uh, so the, the German government they invested in this in this fund and also uh, provide some guarantees. So that makes it possible for banks that don't want to take a big risk but still want to invest in uh, in these types of activities. They can uh, they can do. That. So that's really interesting. What they do is they invest in a number of agriculture productions, for example, in uh, agroforestry and shade grown coffee, shade grown cocoa. And they also provide a lot of uh, technical assistance to, to farmers and to, uh, uh, to those projects. So they bring yeah, longer lasting chains. That's their, their, their vision also. That's one of the examples. Uh, a recent one, which I really enjoy, enjoyed and I liked because we talked about it during the development of the fund is the, the Rhino Bond. It was developed by the World Bank and also the Zoological Society of London. They worked a lot of years on it. Uh, and luckily this came out and we were uh, able to invest in it. And uh, that's focused on the, the protection uh, and the growth of the population of black rhino in South Africa. And uh, the investor only gets a uh, payback uh, when this population rises by a certain amount. So that is really sort of a new investment, one specific species, 
but it's not about only about that species. It's about the whole environment that is being protected. Uh, so hopefully we get more of that uh, in future. Yeah, and I remember that did take a really long time to put together. But once one's over the line, it always speeds up the rest. Um, so there's some great examples there. So just so I understand, is the investment taking a kind of junior role in these funds? Is it a high return seeking, low return seeking? What's the what, where, where does it sort of come in? The ASN Biodiversity Fund uh, is, is really an impact fund. So it, it focuses mainly on uh, reaching as much uh, impact as possible, but still having a financial return for investors. So um, uh, I think the financial return is uh, predicted between 3 and 4% net mm-hmm. for investors. So that's still, uh, ah, still a return. Yeah. The investors that invest in it, yeah, they, they don't seek that. They want to do something uh, good for the world. I mean, this is the first fund for retail investors, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it's like investments in agriculture and uh, for, uh, in, in forestry, for example, it's not new. Uh, like pension funds, they invest mm. in, uh, in forestry for a long, long time. So it's not high risk uh, kind of investment. But it's really new that it's uh, provided, uh, being provided to, uh, to retail customers. And what's the appetite been? What have you seen? I mean, how I don't know if you can talk about how much yeah, we started in November last year. And currently, we have 25 million invested. Um, wow. Given the mili- a minimum of 20 euros as well. Exactly. And, and, and wow. the average investment is, is around uh, like uh, three, three and a half thousand euros. Uh, and some are smaller, of course. But uh, so there are a lot of customers that, uh, that, that started investing in this. So that's really uh, interesting uh, to see. And actually, there was also seed capital from the, the Volksbank, which we are part of, that was uh, used to start it for 15 million. That's also being uh, paid back. Uh, so actually, the, the total uh, number of investors, total amount of investments is, is a bit higher than that even. So uh, wow. yeah, it's, it's really, there's a lot of interest. So that's uh, really great to see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that really is. I mean, how important um, is it for us in thinking about bringing private capital into nature restoration, uh, nature positive businesses that we access that retail pool. Yeah, we feel, we feel this is really important for the global solution of, uh, of uh, protecting and restoration biodiversity. There's uh, an article uh, in Nature, as you probably know, Bending the Curve. Uh, it's, an, it's an article uh, that's showing that we can still bend the curve of biodiversity loss uh, of nature in the coming uh, decades. They show the solutions that we should take. And what they say is the may really main conclusions is uh, there are a number of things needed. One is the protection of nature. So protected areas uh, need to increase. So uh, we have the, the, the COP uh, in uh, Kunming in China coming up and hopefully we get an agreement that this percentage comes up to a certain percent. Uh, and that's w- part of the solution. Second part is uh, restoration. This moment, restoration is mainly done by public funds. And we feel it's really important that the financial institutions and also the companies that have the largest impact on nature, they start also working on this restoration uh, agenda. So we really feel it's important that not, not only public funds, but also private funds start contributing to these goals. Yeah, and with this investment fund we started, it's for just one example, uh, we try to combine and also bring private capital to this, uh, to this market. And the last one is the... Uh, I can e- easily say it, but uh, the challenge is large, the transformation of the global food system. And that's, of course, mm-hmm. uh, the, the most difficult one, but that's that, that, that's a third component that is needed to start bending this curve towards uh, a needed uh, level of biodiversity that has ecosystems that's, that are still uh, viable and don't uh, deteriorate further and uh, 
Um, on that second piece, bringing private capital into the restoration side, you know, is it um, a case of there are investment opportunities and that needs to work? And then you also mentioned, actually, we need to make companies that have an impact start chipping in for restoration. Um, I just wondered, it's a very big question, but how do you sort of, on this second piece, encourage that? Yeah, that, that, it's, a, it's a difficult question. Uh, on the one side, I think there's development that large companies, they also see that they're really dependent on this nature. Uh, I've seen some communications about you know, large food food producers that made public statements uh, that they want to restore uh, a certain amount of hectares of, uh, of nature, mm-hmm. for example, in tropical countries or in different regions. Luxury brands, I think Caring and some others also made some statements on this. So there's some, some developments. Um, but it's it's difficult because these these investments they don't have a really high return. So I'm not sure what the solution is. Uh, regulation could be a part of the solution, but also just the understanding of how much we depend and need nature, and uh, that is also in uh, their own interest. So I think that brings us really neatly on to PayBaf as we're thinking about how do you uh, start encouraging companies to think about converting through their supply chains really into becoming nature positive and I don't know what it's like in the Netherlands it feels like it's a bit more advanced than here in the UK you've obviously at ASM Bank looked at um, your own loans and investments and how they might have a positive impact on biodiversity by 2030 which is staggering to me that's really not long um, you're also this one of the leading Dutch banks in the development of PCAF uh, and now PBAF. Um, so those who don't know about PBAF, could you share about that work? And I'm also interested to hear if you think work like that and the TNFD will actually encourage companies to step up and start investing in restorate, nature restoration. Yeah, to start, PBF is a, uh, sorry for the abbreviations, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sister initiative of, uh, of PCAF, uh, which is the Partnership for Carbon Account Finances, as you said. Yeah, that, that's really uh, now a global standard for, for carbon accounting that's being used by uh, 250 plus, or maybe I think there maybe even hit uh, 300 financial institutions from multiple regions, Europe, uh, Asia, North America. Of course, the reason why we started PBF is uh, is that we developed this knowledge of footprinting. Uh, it's still really evolving and developing, but we wanted to share this knowledge with the wider world and also not only have impact with what we finance ourselves, but also uh, yeah, bring this knowledge and, and help other financial institutions to uh, to get insight into this really complex topic and yeah, help to drive change. Um, so. PBF really focuses on, on the partly on guidance, uh, on guidance of to the financial sector. And, and it also defines requirements and recommendations that we feel are really important when you do a biodiversity impact assessment. Uh, what we have done last year and this year is uh, working with different working groups with the financial institutions uh, on specific topics that we want to dive into, seeing how we can apply all this knowledge, scientific knowledge to the financial sector and make it workable. And this year we worked on, uh, on different working groups, so one working group on asset management, one on agriculture, and also one on positive impact. Yeah, we developed the guidance and, uh, and recommendations uh, and requirements. And in June, we will publish uh, a new report that uh, will also go into this, uh, these topics and, uh, and share this knowledge with everybody. So how does it work with the TNFD? Yeah, we had uh, really good uh, conversations with uh, with the TNFD. Yeah, we really, we really want to align as much 
responsible with <clears throat> with uh, important initiatives. So with the TNFD and their LEAP approach, what they developed and uh, also the focus I really like uh, on, those, on the locations. And one part of this LEAP approach is also that a uh, number of components, uh, E3 uh, is dependency analysis and also E4 is impact analysis. And that's a re uh, really two components that really Payboff can uh, bring, add, uh, bring value to uh, the TNFD. And that's quite recent, so it's uh, yeah, it's still on the development. But uh, because we all yeah, we, we experienced this uh, for a number of years, and we have developed a lot of knowledge, yeah. it's useful to uh, to try to align as much with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, just on that, were there what kind of lessons were learned from PCAF that you've applied to PBAF? Were there any that came out of that? Yeah, one of them was to start small. Huh? You can have a really big group uh, from the start, but that makes it really difficult to develop something. So we started mm -hmm. uh, only with six uh, Dutch financial institutions uh, uh, and worked with them uh, towards a uh, first report. Uh, and now we uh, we grown the initiative to 34 financial institutions from eight countries, and uh, and yeah, start start to growing a bit more uh, internationally. So that's I think an important lesson. Uh, I think the discussions are between financial institutions uh, fed in with knowledge from consultants, uh, scientific knowledge from universities, but the discussions in principle are being led by the financial institutions. So that's a sort of different starting point maybe than uh, yeah. Do you think, I mean, I'm always interested in an ideal world, I think of the, the theory of change is that uh, financial institutions understand um, and companies understand um, their biodiversity footprint um, and then begin to think about how they can change that. Then they work with the banks who can help them finance that change based on the understanding that it's going to have a value uh, down the line if they do. Is that kind of how you see the trajectory? And I'm just sort of as you're talking to financial institutions and you are a financial institution, sort of where, where you see it going, like how do we get the private sector to start investing in restoration? Is it through this kind of first kind of understanding the impact and footprint that you have? Yeah, I think you can really spark the enthusiasm for, for restoration with uh, with people working in the financial sector. Uh, many people in sustainability, they really want to change and they want to, to, to really have impact. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think uh, by showing them uh, how they can contribute uh, in which way, that can really uh, spark uh, a change that's needed. But also on the regulatory side, we probably need also some things because uh, financial, the financial sector is mainly, of course, driven by uh, financial return. Uh, so, so I think you need to change also in the, in the way that regulators and, and regulation is uh, impacting them. Well, before we wrap up, actually, I was just going to ask you, what is on your wish list? If, you know, obviously you're very passionate about the topic as we all are listening to this. Um, what, what do you see as being the fundamental drivers of change that we need to happen that maybe aren't at the moment? If you talk about uh, the restoration uh, part of it, I think it's really important that we see a lot of developments in, uh, in more blended finance. So mm. uh, governments and the private sector working together on mutual on, on solutions that uh, that we need for, for nature. Uh, in the Netherlands specifically, we have a, a number of challenges. Uh, I think it would be really wise to uh, to try to tackle these solutions uh, uh, with the public and the private sector together. So that's one of, one of my wish lists. Uh, the other one of my wish list is that we develop this knowledge with PayPal further and show that you can really assess your impact on biodiversity in, in a good way and try to steer your, your impact in the right direction. And that we see a lot of more a lot more interest from uh, the financial sector uh, in, the, in this topic. Um, and on that first one, I mean, how do we build blended finance? I mean, we've been talking about it for years, haven't we? And it's still, I feel, slow. I'm not quite sure why. What are your thoughts? 
It's a good question. There's, 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 there were some developments, but it's really mainly still focused only on climate, what I see at least. And, uh, and governments and the public sector is a bit slow in uh, uh, on a statement in, 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 in grasping the topic and, uh, and making the change needed. Mm. Well, thanks, Raul. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's um, covered a whole range of topics and I'm just fascinated by the work you're doing. So thank you so much for being such a leader in the field as well as... Um, Thanks for coming on. Um, so keeping an eye out from, from you, from things down the line, we've got the PayBaf report coming out in June, as you mentioned. Is there anything else we need to keep an eye on that ASM Bank in particular is working on in the next sort of, six to 12 months? We have a cooperation with the, the ESP, the Ecosystem Services Partnership from uh, Wageningen. And we have done a pilot in a number of projects with them looking at uh, the ecosystem uh, services and also valuation of that uh, and try to to see what the application of that the database they developed uh, what that wow. uh, yeah what it can bring of knowledge to investors and to stakeholders so that's a uh, sort of experimenting really but uh, that will come out at some point this year uh, but first the PIPAF report and the, the, on the 14th of June there's a webinar if you want to join uh, there will be linked on uh, on LinkedIn and on the PIPAF website uh, soon brilliant We'll make sure we plug that. And that piece of work you're doing sounds really, really important and very, very helpful to the UK as it's thinking about valuing ecosystem services. Um, so definitely we'll keep an eye on that. Bill, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know you're, you're such a busy man, so I really appreciate your time and just hope you come on again and we can we can update on all of this and see the progress that's been made. Okay. Thanks very much, Helen. So much in there today. I just absolutely love the really practical approach that ASM Bank is taking to make nature positive investing a reality. Um, I really do. But uh, goodness, that's all we have time for this week. Next week, we'll be back and I'll be joined by Douglas Eager of the Intrinsic Exchange Group to talk about natural asset companies that we may see listed later this year on the New York Stock Exchange. So don't miss that. Um, in terms of events, for those in the UK, it's the launch of the Financing Nature Recovery Coalition set of recommendations and roadmap. That's been 18 months in the making. 300 stakeholders have fed in. So there's going to be a webinar with an incredible panel discussing the next steps so that we can create this high integrity nature markets and private investment for nature in the UK. Um, and that is happening June the 7th. And you can find more details on our events page. You'll find that at greenfinanceinstitute.co.uk forward slash GFI Hive forward slash events. Um, and while you're there, do sign up to the newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter where we update you on case studies. For example, we have uh, Rimba Collective and Swiss Re's Quantana Roo case study up this month, as well as lots of other things, including next month we'll be launching our State of UK Peatland Investment Market Briefing. Uh, we also share in that newsletter uh, news from a, around the markets. So sign up for it there. But for now, let me just say again how grateful I am to you for listening and your support. I'm always inspired by the interest in this really important topic. And thank you so much to our funders the Esme Fairbairn Foundation and to our editor Robin Lieburn Fairly Media. See you next week. Bye.